All right, so uh, let me begin with a story. My, uh, my uncle, he's a pastor uh, in southeast Kansas. I love him. I, I owe so much to him. He's my first mentor in my life. One day, uh, he was telling me how they went to a church. He went to be a guest speaker at this church, and they were so embarrassed because my cousin Kathy was just a little baby. My cousin Kath uh, was crying and making noises throughout the service, and my aunt was so embarrassed. She was just like, you got to be kidding me. We came as guests. My husband's up there preaching, and my kid's making all this noise, and the church body has to be so irritated, and it gets done with the service, and he ends up saying something. I'm so sorry. Our daughter's just a little fussy this morning. Please forgive us. And all of a sudden, this guy interrupts, and he says, Pastor, we haven't had a kid here in our service for years. It was the most welcome sound to hear a baby with us today. My aunt said she just started to bawl. It was, it was, she was just so terrified of how the people were going to respond once she got up and walked in front of them with a the baby. I say that to say that, hey, we totally understand we're in this corona season. It's quarantine. We don't have kids' church right now. We are very open and inviting to hearing little ones. In fact, you heard my little ones last Sunday as they sat with us, but we have a sound system. We can turn it up louder, but we are just so thrilled that God is working and bringing families to us, and so we love to hear the sounds of the little kids and that you're coming to join us in spite of the fact that we don't have kids' church, and we won't have kids' church also through the month of July, at least for now. All right, with that said, again, we're so glad to have you with us. We are talking about the Holy Spirit today. And so if you're a little like me, I grew up in the Baptist circle. We didn't talk about the Holy Spirit a whole lot, not much, not ever that I remember. When we started talking about the Holy Spirit, a little bit of this motion kind of came up. We, we just never heard about it. It just never happened. So if you're from a rather conservative background, like the one that I'm coming from, maybe this is kind of you know, a, a little bit on the new side. Uh, maybe it's just not very common. But today we're talking about the essentials. Uh, the church has left the building. What did the early church have? As the temple was there for the Jews, it wasn't necessarily there for the Christians. The Christians got kicked out. There's a huge diaspora, the great uh, dispersing of the church. So what did they have? We talked about the message, Jesus and Jesus alone. It's not Jesus plus. It's not Jesus and works and church attendance, what you put in the little giving box. It's not that. It's Jesus and him alone. That's the essential message. The essential mission is to take that message everywhere. We want to tell the good news of Jesus Christ to everyone. There is no one in, on the face of the planet who should be uh, separated from that. We want everyone to know. So it's the essential mission to go make disciples. Adrian preached last Sunday that the essential foundation is this right here, the Word of God. We don't let culture be our filter. This is our filter. This is the authority that we go by on whatever the issue, the question that might come our way. What does the Bible say about that? The best illustration I got, who's the guy that started Liberty University? The, the, I heard someone say it. What's that? I can't hear you at all. Okay, anyway, so you, whoever that guy was, sorry, he was on Oprah Winfrey. And I remember being about 20 years old. I was sitting on the couch, and all of a sudden, uh, he, he gets asked this question that Oprah says, I just don't agree with the exclusivity. I, I, I mean, there's all these other peoples that have had you know, their, their own religion. Why do we have to say it's only one way? 
And all of a sudden that guy looks up to her and he says, you know, it says in John 14, 6 that Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and life. No man comes to the Father but by me. And so that's, that's all I have to say about that. I agree with Jesus. And she says, Oprah says, how can you say that? And all of a sudden, his response, it was perfect. He goes, I didn't say it. Jesus said it. I just quoted what Jesus said. And it's exclusive because there can only be, and whatever, he goes into this really wonderful, uh, uh, whatever, testimony and salvation plan. It was awesome. So this is our foundation. So today we're up to the Holy Spirit and there are reasons as to why we're doing a series like this. We wanna make sure that our essentials are the things that we all firmly grasp and hold together because you might have a situation like what Bethany and I are in right now. We have a six-year-old, a four-year-old, and a two-year-old. Our four and six-year-old were on the bunk bed the other night and they're reading their Bibles, you know, the little, little ones with the big, thick cardboard pages. And all of a sudden, I hear my son say, we're sitting on the couch. They're supposed to be in bed, you know, getting sun's going down, and there's just whatever light coming through the window. And they're reading their Bibles. And Eli goes, yes, so God's the first baby. Moses is the second baby. And Jesus is the third baby. And then he made us. And we thought, that's just kind of cute. That's kind of, kind of way off. <laughs> You're a little off, but that's what they have. They have the little babies that they have. They have David and Goliath. There's a bunch of stuff that they're missing out. And so we want to make sure that, that we're together in these things. We got some work to do at the Ingle house with our little six-year-old and four-year-old. We understand that. But at least they're going that, that direction. So the essentials, the essentials, what we hold uh, dear and near to our hearts. And so again, today's the Holy Spirit. This is almost the fun one. I, again, I haven't had a whole lot of experience of hearing this. I've only preached on the Holy Spirit a few times, but I love it and I like to relate it to this. So a man bought one of the first Model Ts off the assembly line. He goes and gets that Model T and he's driving it home. And as he's going, all of a sudden it starts to sputter and putter and he pulls it aside the road and it breaks down. And this guy's going, you gotta be kidding me. He goes, he gets under the hood and he starts toying with this and toying with that and banging and he's just trying to do whatever he can and he gives up. After a half hour of messing around with this new Model T, he's about ready to spit and kick dirt and start walking walking home, some guy pulls up right in front of him, parks, comes out and says, hey, can I lend you a hand? He's like, good luck. Do what I, you're, you're welcome to try. The guy gets underneath there. He tinkers with this, toys with that. He goes, why don't you go ahead and turn it over? He turns it over and it starts right up and all of a sudden it's purring like a kitten. This man is just just overwhelmed. He cannot believe it. How did you do that? The man says, well, well, my name's Henry Ford, and I built that engine. <laughs> he had the maker know exactly what was needed. We have a maker. We have a heavenly father. He knows exactly what you and I, what we need. But sometimes we try and try and try so hard on our own. And then we kind of throw up that Hail Mary. God, I've tried everything. If you could please just help me with this. And God's going, I've been here the whole time. And the agent to work that he uses is the Holy Spirit. So the Holy Spirit is who we're talking to about today. I want to remind you also that the Holy Spirit is the same Spirit that resided within Christ. 
When you look at the Gospels and you read about, he stilled the storm by going, eh, settle down. He healed lepers just by saying the word. He, he healed a, a, a guy's daughter that was a town away just by saying the word. He said, be still. He said, be quiet. He said, come out of there. Whatever it was, Jesus said, and all these miraculous things happened. That was the Holy Spirit moving and working through Jesus. And guess what? You and you and you believers have the same Holy Spirit residing in you. If you trust in Jesus Christ, the same spirit that resided within Christ resides in you. And you didn't just get like a down payment, partial payment, 50-50. You've got to do this good in order to get the... No, you got the whole thing. You got the whole Holy Spirit in you. It's really just a matter of us being submissive to him in what he desires of us. So we have the Holy Spirit. So we're going to look at today is the coming. This is just the very beginnings of what God's going to do in and through the Holy Spirit, through the church. And so here we go. We are going to be in Acts chapter 2. For those that would like to follow along, the first thing we're going to look at is the essential mission to make disciples, to make Jesus known throughout the world is impossible without the essential power. The essential mission is impossible without the essential power. And I just now realized I have a little spot on my notes that says pray, and we haven't prayed yet. So would you go ahead and bow with me, please? I got a little hyped up. So uh, go ahead and bow with me, and uh, let's go to the Lord in prayer. God, we do just lift this up to you. We ask your spirit to work in our hearts. May you give us the understanding of whatever steps we need to take. Maybe it's a step of obedience. Maybe it's the leap of faith. Maybe it's to trust in you for the first time, whatever that may be. Lord, would you give us the understanding, the discernment of what we need to do? And also, would you give us the courage to follow through with it? And Lord, may you just lead us through your word. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. 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 So the essential mission is impossible without the essential power. John chapter 16, Jesus says, I'm sending you another. The word another, it, it kind of is like carbon copy. It means the exact same. Uh, earlier, I was talking to a couple little adorable girls outside, and I almost went, are you identical twins? They said, uh-uh. This is, it's not just an identical twin. It's the exact same thing. Jesus says, I'm sending you me, because right now, John 16, as Jesus is still on the earth, he's limited to just that spot. But when he ascends into heaven, he sends the Holy Spirit. He sends himself to everyone on every spot of the globe. And so this was all by God's incredible design. This was his plan. Acts 1.8, right before the Spirit comes, Jesus gives this instruction right before he ascends. He says, when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. In the Old Testament, the Holy Spirit would come upon somebody. Samson, the Holy Spirit came upon him and he grabbed something and beat a whole bunch of people up. All of a sudden, this person's Spirit would come upon him and boom, all of a sudden, something miraculous would take place. But then the Spirit would go. This is a constant indwelling to come and dwell within, to reside within us. When the Holy Spirit comes upon you, you'll receive power to be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And this is what's so great about that. Jesus said it 50 days later at Pentecost. It happens there in Jerusalem. Follow along with me in Acts chapter 2. It says, on the day of Pentecost, there's three huge festivals of the Jewish, uh, <coughs> Jewish religion. There's, there's many festivals. There's three primary big ones. Yom Kippur, Day of Atonement, the Passover, reflecting upon Exodus whenever they left 
Egypt, and then also Pentecost, which was 50 days after leaving Egypt. And so it's 50 days after Jesus' death, resurrection, ascension. So this is 50 days afterwards. On the day of Pentecost, all the believers were meeting together in one place. Suddenly there was a sound from heaven like the roaring of a mighty windstorm. So notice there's a sound, there's an audible thing that takes place that gets their attention. Like the roaring of a mighty windstorm. As a little kid, this was like my, 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 the thing I wanted to do more than anything. We have all these wireless headsets. When I was a little kid in church, I think I was second grade, I got my, my rear end lit up on this one, but it was worth it. So my, my uncle was the pastor of the church, and he had not the headpiece, he had the little uh, lapel, the lapel mic. And so I remember I got that lapel mic, and I went and I hid behind the baptistry, and I did one of those, this is the voice of God. <laughs> and I thought it was hilarious. And I thought I might make some people think it was the real voice of God. Part one, there were some people that laughed about it because they knew I was in big trouble. <laughs> and part two, not a single person was fooled. Here, there's this incredible sound that's like a mighty windstorm, and it says it's from heaven. It's not from some kid, oh, I'm really boy. It's not that. It's obviously that this is from God. This is a divine moment. And it fills the house where they're sitting. We'll see in a little bit that it actually the people outside the house here too. Then what looked like flames or tongues of fire appeared and settled on each of them. So we have an audible sound, but we also have a visual that they get to see. And the fire is constantly representative in the Old Testament about God. There's the showdown, Elijah and the prophets of Baal and Ashtoreth. Exodus is loaded with it. The people are led by a cloud in the day and a pillar of fire at night. The fire is this constant representation of God with the people. And now it's not God just with, but that God is within them. And he came in this flame, tongues of fire. Don't know what that would exactly look like, but that would have been pretty cool to to be there. So verse four says this, and everyone present was filled with the Holy Spirit and began speaking in other languages as the Holy Spirit gave them this ability. That had to have been awesome. <laughs> that would have been so cool. And so they know it's miraculous. The people outside know it's miraculous. But again, I need to remind you that this takes place so that the people can be empowered to fulfill the mission. The mission is impossible without the Holy Spirit. This is what starts the mission of go make disciples of all nations. This is where it begins, Acts chapter 2. Point number two. The essential power isn't just for some. The essential power is for all who believe. Jesus said, I'm going to use you to reach the nations, and this is where it begins. And God is not discriminatory. God wants us to reach all people, all men and women, no matter color or language or tongue, whatever it may be. God loves them all. And this is where we see it begin. Acts 2 verse 5. It says, at that time, there were devout Jews from every nation living in Jerusalem. When they heard the loud noise, everyone came running. So again, it's not it's just this thing that happened in the house. It's something that everyone heard outside of it as well. They come running and they're bewildered to hear their own languages being spoken by the believers. How cool would that be? Oh my goodness. 
Next part. Uh, let's keep going. Verse 7. They were completely amazed. How can this be, they exclaimed. These people are all from Galilee. And it's not a knock against them. It's not saying they're some kind of misfits. They're just saying, we know who, they're, who they are. We know where they're from. We know their accent. And whether you call it a redneck from down in Texas or, some, or south, whatever you call that. But it was someone from down south and they have that slang. They have their own way of, 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 of speaking. And so they know where they're from. They know that they're not the most learned people, most educated. And it says, yet we hear them speaking in our own native languages and it lists them off. Remember, you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria. It means further and further out and out and to the ends of the earth, to the ends of the earth. And here we are, Parthians, Medes, Elamites, people from Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, <coughs> excuse me, Pontus, the province of Asia, and, and there's more. Phrygia, Pamphylia, Egypt, and the areas of Libya and Cyrene, visitors from Rome, both Jews and converts to Judaism, those that were not of Jewish descent, but they came to embrace that religion and were therefore uh, Jews they, they, uh, by, by being converted. Uh, Cretans and Arabs. And we all hear these people speaking in our own languages about the wonderful things God has done. They're not just over there, you know, high five and hey, quarantine's over. Nice to see you. Where have you been? What are you doing for Father's Day? It's not that. They're telling the good news of what, has, what God has done. They stood there amazed and perplexed. What can this mean? They asked each other. They're blown away. Has anybody ever been to Jerusalem? Anybody in here ever been to Jerusalem? I've been there. That was one of the coolest trips I've ever been on in my life. I really look forward to when I get to take my boys and Emma on a trip. Maybe we'll go as a family. It just puts feet to your faith kind of thing. You get to touch the very things that have been there for thousands of years. It's uh, the River Jordan. I got to sit in the Dead Sea, and you do sit. You just sit down, and all of a sudden you're floating. It's the coolest thing. You get to go see uh, uh, Mount Carmel. So this is where the Elijah, that big showdown happened. You get to see all these great things. You get to see the sycamore tree in that village where uh, he told Zacchaeus, come down from that tree. Whether it's the same tree, I don't know, but it's a sycamore tree in the same village. So what? Okay. Same thing, you go to Jerusalem and you get to go to what is traditionally called the upper room. And now we don't know for certainty that this is where the Holy Spirit came and descended, tongues of fire that came in and dwelt upon them. We don't know that for certain, but they say this is the traditional location. And they'll do that. This is the traditional location. Well, you go to the Sea of Galilee. This is the Sea of Galilee. You see the river. This is the river. There's certain things that we have certainty, of course, but not all things. So I'm kind of, you know, a little bit of a skeptic, to be honest. And after doing this however many days and, oh, this is the traditional location. There's a place where they say that Jesus was born. It's called the Church in the Nativity. They got these, whatever. There's lots of, lots of stuff that's commercialized. So at any rate, at any rate, I'm at the end of this tour group, and I, I think we're about 40 people. There's maybe two people behind me, and we're just shooting the breeze as we're kind of walking to this place. And it's the second floor up, and we're going over this overpass. And I remember waiting at the door. There's a bottleneck. Everyone was just kind of collected in the same spot. And so I finally get in, and I take a step in, and I look around. There's these, it's cool stone. There's a couple windows. And what I didn't think about was kind of, I keep going back to this, old Baptist boy. We didn't have a whole lot of Holy Spirit that we talked about or heard about. There certainly wasn't any speaking in tongues. 
that I ever experienced until all of a sudden I look over, and for those that were not, most likely were not Baptists, they were our Pentecostal friends on this trip, they were holding hands with arms outstretched, and they were just letting it fly. They were just going to town. There's another group that was to my, they were back and to my right. There's another group to my left and that they were all bowed down and they were speaking in tongues. And there's just all this stuff going on in this room. That's probably, well, I can't, whatever. It's, it's not the biggest room. It's a good sized room though. And so I remember just hearing this and I was just confused and I didn't want to interrupt. I don't mean it to be mean. I don't not, I don't mean it to, to downplay or to be hurtful at all. Uh, my, my grandma's Pentecostal. She's a, one of the greatest women ever. They were having their moment. I didn't want to be a distraction. I didn't want to be in the way. So I just kind of kindly went back out and I went out onto this kind of balcony area or, or the whatever, the access. And I'm just going, I'm going to let them have, have their time. I was confused because I did not understand. I wasn't a, a part of what they were doing. Here we are 2,000 years ago it's confusion, but it's the complete opposite thing. It's great confusion because they know these men and women are from Galilee, but it's not confusion because they don't understand. It's confusion because they do. And they're speaking these languages, their native tongue from, we just listed however many provinces or areas. It says Mesopotamia. How many people groups is that? It says from Asia. How many is that? And so on. And they hear this and they know something miraculous is taking place. What can this mean? And so you're going to have your doubters. You're going to have your people that are kind of, you know, do the little uh, Debbie Downers, whatever you call them. But others in the crowd ridiculed them saying, they're just drunk. That's all. Let's just take a moment to say you're going to have the people in your life that are going to be doubting of you. You're going to have the people that they see God's work in your life and they're going to go, I don't really relate to that. I don't understand that. I don't want anything of that. Some of them will withdraw. I withdrew from the upper room. Some will withdraw from you. You'll have those that kind of attack, like maybe this guy was being mean and attacking with the drunken comment. You'll have those that just flat out say, I don't believe you. I don't know what's going on. You're going to have those people in your life. But praise God, there's a Peter that said, he steps up forward to the 11 and other apostles and shouted to the crowd, listen carefully, all of you, fellow Jews and residents of Jerusalem, make no mistake about this. These people are not drunk, as some of you are assuming. Nine o'clock in the morning is much too early for that, to which I agree. I think that's a little early. Just saying, just a little early. No, what you see was predicted long ago by the prophet Joel. And this is where Adrian nailed it last week. I loved what, what he did. Peter, the first thing he does is he goes to the thing that he doesn't have to defend. He goes to the thing that he says, this is our basis. This is our authority. This is the thing that it's not about what mama says. It's not about what, well, we always, well, I just think. He says, this is what the word of God says. This is, again, whatever AD, this is 33 years after Jesus' birth, they don't have the New Testament yet. They have the Old Testament. And that's exactly what he uses. He uses the book of Joel. He says, in the last days, God says, I'll pour out my spirit upon all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions and your old men will dream dreams. In those days, I will pour out my spirit even on my servants, men and women alike, and they will prophesy. I do not discriminate. And the word prophesy, it doesn't mean like end of, end of times kind of stuff. 
It just simply means divine teaching. It's not your teaching. It's not my teaching. This is of God. I'm going to skip to the last verse here, skipping all the way down. But everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. When you go to the end of chapter 2, you'll see that 3,000 people placed their faith in Jesus Christ that day. What did Acts 1.8 say? Acts 1.8 says, When the Holy Spirit comes upon you, you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem. That's where they are. Judea, the outer area, which was listed in there. Samaria, even further away. And to the ends of the earth. And God uses this little group of people, a little tiny band of brothers in this instance in in Acts 2, to end up reaching 3,000 And how many of those get dispersed and sent out and this message goes all throughout the world and Paul adds to that, Peter adds to that, and Alpine has added to that message. They're saying the same message, but they're joining in that Jesus is Lord and that our responsibility, our calling is to tell others about Jesus. And when we do that, we get to join in God's great redemptive work What an incredible moment that had to have been to see the presence of God upon them and to work in and through them. Last point we have. The power of the Holy Spirit is essential for every part of our lives. Today's man's day, as I like to call it. Today's Father's Day. As a dad, as a husband, as a a worker, as a mom, Maybe a grandma, maybe a grandpa, as a friend. It impacts all of our life. The Holy Spirit doesn't just get a piece. He gets all. How much are you willing to submit to him? This impacts everything about me. The Holy Spirit gets authority, and the authority of God's word says, this is how I want you to live. This is how I want you to honor God. This is how I want you to help others in their pursuit of God. It's our hobbies. It's the language that I use. It's the stuff I watch. It's the hobbies that I have. The Holy Spirit is essential, and he impacts every part of my life. He impacts my life, and therefore he impacts my mission. Because it's not just about what Jeff desires of Jeff's life. It's now, will Jeff be a part of what God desires for Jeff's life? And by the way, his plans are always greater than my plans. His ways are higher. His his ways are greater. Will I submit to his plans, or am I still going to fight and do what I want to do? The Holy Spirit is essential for every part of our life. And we get the opportunity. And I'd even say it's your choice. It's your choice to join into God's mission or it's your choice to continue to do whatever mission you desire for your life. God gives you that freedom. But boy, does God want to do great and mighty and wonderful things in you. So would you join him in that? 1 Corinthians 12, 4 through 7 says, There are different kinds of spiritual gifts, but the same spirit is the source of them all. The Spirit gives all those. You don't get it. It's not the, the, the no, what, what do you call that? The buffet. I'll take a little bit of prophecy. I'll t- take that speaking in tongues thing. That looks really cool. I'll take a little. No, the Holy Spirit is the giver. You don't ever pick. It's what he gives. He's the source of them all. You don't find them any other place. There are different kinds of service, but we serve the same Lord. There's different works 
and, or God works in different ways, sorry, but it is the same God who does the work in all of us. And notice this, a spiritual gift is given to each of us so we can help myself, so you can help me and I can help myself. No, 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 so that we can help one another. God has gifted you. He's empowered you. He's, he's permanently placed his presence in you, for those of you that are believers in Christ, so that you can be a blessing to one another and that as we're a blessing to one another, the work of God can be expanded and made greater and greater here in Northeast Utah and throughout the world. So the question is, how submissive are you? Are you willing to do whatever the Holy Spirit leads and how he's directing you? Or are you going to fight it? Are you going to be like the guy that was working on his Model T it couldn't get it running, and you're just going to continue to do that? Or are you going to give up and say, I'm ready for, oh, I'm ready for Henry Ford. I'm ready for the Holy Spirit, and I'll follow him. Would you pray with me? <clears throat> Lord, we understand there's a lot of things that have not, <laughs> there's a lot of things that we try to do on our own. Foolishly, Yes, unwise, that we still try to do it on our own. Maybe that's what today is for some. That today's the day where we say, I'm, I'm, I'm going to quit trying to do this lone ranger by myself, on my own, for my name. Look what I accomplished. Lord, help take that, that little pronoun of I out of there. Instead, may we just say, Lord, we're all yours. I'm all yours. I'm all in. All my chips are in. I'm saying, God, whatever you call me to, whatever you have for me, Lord, whatever your purpose is, I want to seek your will. I find my identity in you. I find who I am. I find meaning for life in you. And so maybe today's that day where there's some that need to trust you as Lord and Savior. Maybe today's the day where some of they've been doing the battle and they, they've trusted you, but boy, they keep going back and forth. Maybe today's that day. So, Lord, we ask that the Holy Spirit would give us leading. And would you give us hearts to follow? May you please help us to understand what that next step is that we need to take, trusting in you, honoring you, and helping others to pursue you. Give us the wisdom as to what that step is. But also, Lord, would you give us the courage to follow through? And may you do a mighty work. Not for the name of Alpine, not for, not for our own personal name, but all for the name and the glory, honor and praise for Jesus Christ. For it's in his name we pray. Amen.